Welcome to the Artful Teaching Podcast. Today I'm your host, Heather Francis, and I am going to be talking about research for teachers. And this podcast was created specifically for participants in the Arts Integration Endorsement Program because they are assigned to complete a research project this semester. But if you're a teacher and you're interested in uncovering your teaching practice or learning more about why you do what you do or how you do what you do or if what you do really works, then systematic inquiry or research might be just for you. So before we begin, I just have to say I am on team research. I love research. I love critical thinking. I love collecting data. I love analyzing it. I like talking about it with my colleagues. I like talking about it with professionals and other subjects that know more information than me because it teaches me a lot about myself. And when I know more about myself, I'm a better teacher and I have a better practice. So for this conversation today, we are missing Callie Flox, who's usually a co-host, but I have another colleague named Heidi Dimmick here with me, and she's a facilitator in the Arts Integration Endorsement Program, and she has gone through this project twice, I think, with two of our different cohorts in this program, so I thought it would be great to have her with us here for this conversation. So welcome, Heidi, and please tell me, are you on team research as well? I'm on team research, but not quite to the level of team research that you're on, I think. (laughs) So I think any really good teacher is looking at their data and trying to make themselves better and trying to help their students. I think that's a natural part of teaching. I don't know that I get quite as excited as like talking to all my colleagues over and over again about it because, well, because it's research still. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and you are a practicing teacher. Yes. So I teach third grade at Spanish Oaks Elementary. That's awesome. So you you get to do action research in your classroom as a teacher, and you get to supervise and mentor teachers who are doing the same thing in their classrooms. And it should be stated that I get paid to do research, and I'm not a practicing <laughs> teacher, so my self-study and my action research is more in arts administration and instructional design, and so I get to be a little bit more on team research because it pays the bills. Um, <laughs> and doing research as a practicing teacher, right, is a little extra work. Yes. So um, I could see that we're on a spectrum of team research, but... I like that word, a spectrum of team (laughs) research. But we are excited to talk about this today, both of us. Um, And we're going to just start with the basic question, which is, what is action research? And um, what does that look like? Specifically, we're talking to those participants in our program. What does this research project look like? So I'm just going to describe it. Have you ever experimented on your students? And no, I'm not talking about what happens when they actually eat all the glue. (laughs) That's a different kind of experiment. But um, we experiment on our students all the time when we say, well, what if I try this? Or what if I try that? Or what if I change this tactic or strategy to help the student's behavior or to impact their learning? And teachers every day have problems that they're trying to solve, questions that they're asking themselves. Action research is taking a systematic approach to gathering data to answer the questions that we have as teachers and as a practitioner. And action research is different than some of those high-level research um, forms. You don't have to know like all the ins and outs of qualitative research or quantitative research or phenomenological research or hermeneutics. Hermeneutics, that's how you say it. (laughs) Anyway, there's all these types of research. Action research doesn't require knowledge of all those things because it's really about a practitioner 
solving their problems and answering their questions in the situation that they're practicing their profession. And in this case, that's teaching. Well, and I think like there are certain things already for the state of Utah that's a required thing. Like we do dibbles at the beginning of the year for a reading and then we take a mid-year assessment and you look at the score and then you do end of year assessment and you see like, okay, is what I'm doing here for fluency working or do I need to make changes in what I'm doing for fluency or um, their retails aren't as good as I want them to do. What can I do to make those retails better? Like it naturally happens. I think that sometimes teachers do action research without realizing that they're actually doing the action research. Mm -hmm. Yes. And often I think we're doing pieces of action research. So we're asking the question, we're looking at the data, we're analyzing it with our PLC or with our um, faculty or staff or with our principal or with an instructional coach. Um, But the full process of action research also includes writing it out, documenting it, and presenting it, sharing it, making it known to a public audience. Now, sometimes you don't need to share it to a very public audience, like your PLC or your grade level team might be as public as you go with the information. But there is this, um, what's the word when it comes to a to an end, to a fold, to a... Um, culmination? Yeah, a culmination. Yeah, a final product where you distilled your ideas, your conclusions, the answers to your question, and you can articulate them clearly, right? The next question is, why is action research important? Why is it valuable to us? So I think action research is important because all the time you've got to be able to talk to parents about how their kid is doing, what growth you've seen in the year. You have to be able to talk to parents. You've got to be able to talk to your teammates. You've got to be able to talk to your principal. Sometimes you have to talk at the district or even the state level to be able to say, this is what it was and this is how I know I got there. Right. And I think that the the action research is making sure you really understand how you got there. It wasn't the, hey, yeah, my numbers for dibbles are 10 times better than they were last year because a miracle happened in my classroom. It's a my numbers are 10 times better because I did this and this and this. And these things can be repeated in another classroom. And I think that that's what it is. It's the having enough knowledge that you could say, you could go and duplicate this in another classroom and see the same kind of results. If you're just saying, I don't know, I just kind of do some stuff, that's not helpful to anyone. Yeah. So there are, with action research, where it's not like some of those high-level research um, styles or forms, it has had some criticism that it's not generalizable, that it's very anecdotal. But I would argue that it does, like you said, have some transfer. If you can uncover your practice as a teacher and say, this is what I'm doing and this is what the data says, you can articulate it and you can transfer it to another teacher who could then decide if they want to pick it up and try it or if they'd like to implement it in their classroom and also test it for themselves, right? So it could be transferable, but um, there's still that you know criticism that it's not generalizable. Like, if I use this intervention in my classroom and it worked for my students, we can't say it works for all students, but we can say... And now I have a one-page paper to share with you how I did this. Here you go, partner, colleague, friend, teacher. Now you try it and see if it has impact on your students. So I would say advocacy, like you're talking about, is hugely important, being able to articulate what we do as teachers. And then especially in this program, how can you say, like, what does it mean to be an arts integration-endorsed teacher? Well, once you've gone through a research project where you've really identified and articulated what you do with the arts to impact student learning or the culture in your room or the relationships in your room, whatever you're focused on, you will be able to have a pithy answer to say, 
this is what it means for me to be an arts integrated teacher. And this is my results and my data to advocate for why it's working. And I think too, sometimes when you start using the word arts, people tune out because they think that it's the fluff of it. This action research actually gives you some meat behind what you're saying, right? It's the like teeth of the, hey, I'm not just doing this to do this. I do this. This is the results I had. These are the things I did to get myself there so that it's not just a new principal coming in and saying, oh, you just you just are the art teacher. It's a, oh, my teacher does art. And these are all of the things. Like my principal the other day, he's like, he came and he's like, now remind me again, what lesson you, what you were teaching when you were doing this drawing project. Like he had remembered that I knew what I was teaching with all these visual art projects and how powerful is that? So when a parent says something, my principal can be like, oh no, my teacher is doing art. And this is what's coming from it. That's a totally different conversation, I think, with parents and principals. Yes. Yes. I love it. Having the data and being able to say what happened and what the impact was is really important for advocacy. I also think that action research is important for our personal development along with that professional development. Do you have anything to say about that personal development? Well, I think that sometimes as teachers, we kind of, well, this is my, this will be my 18th year of teaching. So I've wow. been teaching for a long time. And I think sometimes you get into kind of a rut of, oh, this is what I do. I just do this. You know, like I have interns or practicum students come and they're like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, because I know it works and I've done it for a long time, you know, but we, our brains get into these ruts. This action research really can make you think about your thinking like, okay, I'm making this choice every day. Why am I making this choice? And what growth can I see from making this choice? So it's not just us like throwing spaghetti at the wall. It's a very targeted, like, I want to think about my own thought process in this one area and how that's going to make me a better professional, right? Because mm -hmm. if we're not growing as teachers, we shouldn't be teaching anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if, when you said rut, I, I was reading about the benefits of action research and they use that term in this paper that I read. They said, action research helps teachers identify problems and issues systematically and it helps them see that it's possible to break a rut. When you get stuck as a teacher, which we often do, it's possible and you can do it through action research. It's one of those ways to get out of a rut. Um, some of the other benefits that they described were that action research can be done by almost any professional in any type of school. Um, it can be done to improve your practice, your educational practice, and to develop more effective ways to practice, to like improve your craft. And it can help build a small community of research-oriented individuals within a community. And I think that's important. That's something that our Arts Integration Endorsement Program does and that I saw as a result of doing these um, research projects in the past that after people have had a critical friend helping them find their blind spots and then they presented their research, that that kind of culminating research project really builds community. Are we going to talk about critical friends? Is that one of the questions? Oh, yeah. We're going to talk okay. about critical friends because that's part of the question of how okay, do we do <laughs> action research? So why don't you tell us about the critical friend? All right. So the critical friend is someone who, for our program, will read through your paper or watch your video of what 
you are writing and reflecting about and then reflect back on your reflections and your thought process. Now, when we first heard the idea of critical friends, I'm not going to lie, I freaked out, right? Because we live in a society that critical is bad. Like if someone's being critical of you, like that's not a good feeling, right? If you're in critical care, that's not a good thing, right? And so right. you use this word critical and you, I, I think people's, uh, their hunches automatically go up like, oh no, what am I going to do, right? But I think critical... We need to think of critical when we think of it as important. Like, this is my really important friend who is going to give me feedback to help me to be better, right? And so there's kind of yeah. a level of trust that has to be there for the critical friend to really, really work. That's why good PLCs are really good PLCs. Really good PLCs are critical friends of each other. Mm -hmm. You know, you bring your scores to the table and then you talk about it and you analyze together what it is and they question you like, hey, we see you're doing something awesome. We want to know and understand why. So we're going to ask these questions. And I am blessed to be on a really good team right now, a really good PLC team. Sometimes they'll ask questions. I'll be like, I don't know. I'll come back next week with an answer, right? Because sometimes I have to think through what it is they're asking, and then we can get deeper in the conversation. That's what the critical friend is for for our program, is really uh, let me help you dive deeper into your thinking. And have you thought about this? And what about this? It's really asking really good questions, mm -hmm. right? Good teachers are good questioners. Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing with your critical friend, asking them deeper level thinking questions so that they can really dive into why they're doing what they're doing. Yes. And I think it's interesting that as teachers, we do like get a little guarded when we talk about having a critical friend because we are that for our students. And I've, I've heard it called um, a warm demander where you have high expectations, but you're very warm and nurturing and encouraging. And that's what a critical friend is. You have high expectations because you just believe with all your heart that your friend is going to be the best teacher that they can be through this process. And in order for them to be the best teacher they can be, they need you to think critically, to think deeply, and to ask those reflective questions. And sometimes they're not that deep of a question. Sometimes it's just, tell me more. <laughs> like, <laughs> you go deeper while I ask a very surface level question, right? That's because really true. I think it's hard personally to go deep into reflection because I get exhausted asking myself questions or I get lost in my train of thought and I don't know if I'm like on the surface or if I'm deep, but I'm definitely complicated. And a critical friend <laughs> can say, you know, this way's up, that way's down. Here's your path. And um, they can also check your blind spots. So sometimes you might have a question like, am I really doing what I say I'm doing? If I believe this, if I believe I'm a warm demander, am I really behaving that way as a teacher? And you might look just for evidence that supports that, yes, gold star. <laughs> I am a warm demander and I'm doing what I said I'm doing. A critical friend might actually be able to point out some of the non-examples when you are like a cold, insert a different word than demander. <laughs> pushover <laughs> you're a cold pushover actually in this way or in this scenario and getting that kind of feedback will be critical to improve and it might feel critical because it's saying you can reach a higher standard so there could be some emotions in the action research process the research project but they're the same emotions that come with learning and um when you have a critical friend or a warm demander or a friend there that's really supposed to be the friend, you can have that cushion encouragement and nourishment along the path so that the emotions don't get too big that you can't handle them or you don't feel supported. 
Well, I think the nice thing with our program too is you're each other's critical friend. So it's not just one person is getting it. It's you're giving and receiving with each other. Oh, There's yeah. a partnership that comes. It's totally it. reciprocal. Yeah. Heidi, I love being critical friends. You're one of my favorite ones. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know you love it when I send an email like, I need a critical friend here. <laughs> Read all my journal entries and how it makes sense of what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite things. I'm really good at flagging emails like, um, later, um, later. But when I get yours, I'm like, um, now. <laughs> Because it's so fun and I love the way you think and it feels very reciprocal. So, but we now have years of relationship and this like critical friend pattern happening. And if you were doing a master's thesis, you would probably spend a couple of semesters working with a professor and a critical friend and other professionals to do a project like this. We're only doing a research project in our program for one semester. So these are almost mini action research, research projects. Um, because we're not going to spend months on them. So it'll be a little bit of a taste. And that's for any of you who are not on team research, who are like, oh man, this semester is going to be, it's going to be a big labor of love. (laughs) Um, We're going to try and make it manageable. And so in answering that question of how we're going to do our research projects, we're going to do it in five steps. And this is how it's going to go. Okay. Heidi's like raising her eyebrows. She's like, I can't wait. What are the five steps? <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> okay. First, we're going to determine our, our question for our research. And that's, you know, based on what concepts you're interested in studying. We want to keep it focused on the arts. Maybe there's an art form you're really interested in studying, how you, how you practice it or what the interventions look like in your classroom. Or maybe you have a problem in your classroom that you need to solve and you want to find an artistic solution for that. And you want to test how effective an arts intervention is to solve those problems. We'll probably spend a week just brainstorming what our question will be. Step two, we're going to make a plan for our study. So we have our question and now we need to describe what the background of this question is and why it's significant. We do that by researching the literature on the concept or the topic to say, you know, this is what people have already learned. This is what the research says. And this is my classroom context or this is my inner landscape as a teacher that makes this an important question to me. And then after we've... um, justified the importance of that question, the plan includes what data you're going to collect to answer the question and then how you're going to analyze that data to come to the conclusions of answering your question and then um, how you're going to prepare to present it to a public audience, which in our program is our cohorts, our other teachers participating in the program. But you might also think who needs to hear the answer to this question? Is it a principal, a district coordinator, a curriculum director, your grade level team? You might have a very specific audience in mind. And then uh, after you've created your plan, you go to work. Step three is to collect your data. And we're going to have a couple weeks in the endorsement course where we don't have class so that you can focus on collecting and analyzing your data. And we're also going to step four, analyze the data, which means that in our um, classes throughout the semester, we will set aside time for you to work with your critical friend. So you can talk about your data, talk about what you're doing and and provide that um, reflective questioning for each other. Step five, share your findings. We do have an assignment at the end of the course this fall semester where you will um, prepare a digital media asset to share just the pithy conclusions of your research, along with a research paper that says your findings and conclusions, but something also 
that's digital and short that you can add to your portfolio to share with others. So five steps. We're going to do it in one semester. We're going to set up a lot of time in the course for you to work on this. And if you're not on team research yet, that's okay. My arms are always open to you to join. (laughs) And I think it's important too, when we're talking about like the final paper, like the reflections that you write along the way, you can use that information into your final paper. It's not like the problem we've had before, I think is people in the cohorts have felt like I've got to start brand new for this final paper. No, the final paper is you're taking all your steps along the way and just putting it into a readable form for everyone to be able to understand it. Exactly. Yeah. And after you've created your plan, you've pretty much written half the paper. You just have to put your answer to the question in at the end. (laughs) See, and this is what happened. Now this is what I know. And we're going to know so much more after we do this. It's really exciting. So Heidi, thank you so much for joining me here. Do you have any last words or advice for those starting their research projects? I think... There's, it's important that you don't just think of this as like one more hoop you're jumping through. If you really take the time to think about what you really want to change in your practice or what you really want to change in your classroom. When I did my own action research, um, my kids brought up the problem. We had a like class discussion about what they thought. And we do like a daily five. We actually do daily six now because they felt like doing integrated art during their daily five time would help them. And so every Friday we have a performance day of the kids using the arts that they've learned and what they're learning during their small group reading instruction to present for the rest of the class. And it's just been a beautiful thing. My whole team does it now. So if you really take the time to do really good research, it really can make your practice better. And it sounds like other people's practice better too, because now your whole team's adopted it. So in the coming episodes, I'm going to um, have another guest to help discuss the difference between action research and self-study research, which for our arts integration endorsement program participants, they get to choose if they want to do a general action research study or a self-study action research project. Self-study is actually just a type of action research. So we're going to go into the differences and give some examples and describe a little bit more in detail what this might look for our participants. Thank you for joining us on the Artful Teaching Podcast. We're glad you're here. If you're looking for more resources to deepen student learning and improve your classroom culture, go to advancingartsleadership.com and find lots of resources there. They're all open and free for you to use. And if ever you have questions or feedback for us, please reach out at artspartnership at byu.edu. Have an artful day. Have an artful day.